Welcome to the Business Chef Podcast, where we learn from the best about the business side of the food service industry. Do you make food? Then let us help you make money doing it. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food Make Money on Instagram or Facebook, or email us info at businesschef.org. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Business Chef Podcast with me, Chef Sean Boucher. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for taking a minute to learn a little bit about making food and making money. Today, we're talking about something kind of unique, K-12 through food service. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, man, why in the world would we be talking about K-12 through food service? Isn't that just a bunch of lunch ladies? I know what the stereotypes are, but you know what? It's a lot more diverse than you might think. There's a lot more challenges. There's a lot more opportunities than what we are led to believe on a regular basis. So, who did we recruit to talk about this? None other than my good man, Malik Hamilton, who is doing some bang-up things up there in the Pittsburgh area. So, without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to the man, the myth, the legend, Malik Hamilton. Uh, well, a short story, but I started as a dishwasher, like a lot of guys, and in a restaurant in my hometown, and worked my way up. Um, I had a couple of years there in my hometown, and then I went to culinary school at uh, Utah State. Got a bachelor's degree there, and then uh, was able to start working places. I worked uh, as soon as we, uh, as soon as I graduated, I went and worked at uh, Mount Lanier, did the resort thing for a little bit, and uh, moved to Colorado Springs and did the catering thing for a bit, and then headed back to Utah and did university and um, college catering mostly for for about 14 years. I, I was in the 12 to 14 years, so got to see a lot of cool things, got to do a lot of opportunities. That's one great thing about cooking is that you there are always opportunities to go, you know, just about anywhere that people are eating food. So it's a good uh, vehicle for that. So let's talk a little bit about you and your, your transition because, you know, you've gone from being a chef and working in the kitchen and, you know, all that comes with that and then transitioning now into a very different role. So, you know, talk a little bit about that transition, that change. Yeah, so uh, usually the, the quote that I tell people is that I got to a point where I was tired of cooking food that I didn't like for people who weren't interested. Um, and so it was kind of that burnout effect, and I was, I was just like, you know, wanting to know or trying to figure out what was the next step that I could do. I wanted to kind of get out of the kitchen for a while um, but and and see, see what else there was to do. Uh, so I started looking to... Uh, to grad programs because uh, one thing that I was having problems with is that when I was sending out my resume and doing some things, I found it was harder to convince people to hire me out of the kitchen um, because that was all I had done. And so I went ahead and decided to get a master's degree so I came out here to Pittsburgh 
Uh, I went to Chicago University and got a master's degree in food studies. Uh, so one of the things when I was looking and trying to decide what I wanted to do beyond the kitchen, uh, it didn't make I had I had you know almost twenty something years of kitchen experience and food experience, and it didn't make sense to then go out and get a degree in like graphic design or something. You know, that was completely different than food. I wanted to build on what I had. And so the food studies program really kind of linked itself to that. It got me the chance to look at food in a broader sense. So looking at the policies around food, looking at um, access to food. So the food studies program, you look at the food system from from seed to compost, right? So you talk about where food is grown, why it's grown there, who has access to it, who doesn't, and why, and all of the things that, that play into that. So it was a great opportunity, and while I was working on my thesis, I was able to secure this job at Pittsburgh Public Schools. Um, well, I'm still in food and food service department, but I, I uh, purchase, I do all the purchasing, all the uh, regulation and, and legal stuff behind the purchasing um, that happens for the department. You know, I think that there is a stereotype or a misnomer when it comes to K through 12 food service that we think we know what it is and we uh, <laughs> focus on maybe maybe some of the things that it has been in the past or that we we think of when we think of K through 12 food service and uh, and you know the reality is is I just think that it's changed so much that people just really don't know about it so talk about what it really is and you know some of the dispel some of the stereotypes that maybe some out there listening think that it is um, so it's interesting I actually just today there was something that happened and I had a similar conversation with my boss. One thing, when this, when I first applied and first interviewed at uh, Pittsburgh Public Schools, I actually had gone in to um, interview to be a food service manager in, in one of the kitchen sites in, in the schools. Uh, and the conversation that I had with um, the lady interviewing me who's now my boss, uh, I told her, you know, it's very interesting. I, I as I was thinking about it, I, there's a lot of conversation that goes on about what is wrong with school food. Uh, and a lot of people who, who want to have school food change somehow or another. But it's all from people outside of school food. I mean, the majority of the stuff that I hear is people who are not in school food. We're talking about having to change school food. But I wanted to come in and understand what was really happening. And, you know, there's a it, it runs the gamut because there are schools that, you know, for whatever reason, are you know, getting in frozen food. They're reheating it in ovens uh, and, and sending it out. There are others on the other end of the spectrum that are doing a lot of scratch cooking because they have the, the talent level or they have chefs or whatever in, in the kitchen to do that. Um, it's not it's not as cookie cutter, you know. I feel like. Um, if you're a catering chef in, in Idaho, you can be a catering chef in uh, New Jersey, and there's going to be the majority of what you do is going to translate over. Uh, but it's not necessarily that way in Keto. You know, doing the work that I do in Pittsburgh is going to be a completely different thing if I go uh, to Wyoming to do it. And so you have to learn. And 
and where the regulations, so there are federal regulations, but a lot of that gets interpreted by the state and the way things are run are at a state level. So uh, I might be able to do a certain thing or you know, get access to certain products here in, in Pittsburgh and in the state of Pennsylvania, where if I go to the state of New Hampshire, I might not have those same options. I might not have those same um, regulatory uh, people, you know, audits and things like that. So uh, it's it's an interesting field because everything is kind of different wherever you go. There's always a challenge. That's one thing that's kind of driving me to stay in K-12 right now is that there are so many opportunities to kind of look at why things are done a certain way. And is there a better way or is this the only way? Um, so, yeah, and it's, I, I deal with a lot of people every day as far as vendors and, and, and folks like that who, who are used to all the other sections of the food service industry but don't really understand, fully understand what we're doing at K-12. Um, but I do suggest, you know, young chefs out there, even older chefs who are wanting to a different experience than what they're seeing in some of these other kitchens should definitely look at K-12. Uh, you get all your major holidays off. You're almost never working the weekend. Um, there are a lot of great benefits to it as well. Yes, there is definitely a draw for a certain kind of individual to that maybe wants to slow down or maybe wants to step out of the prime time nights, weekends, holidays. I, I definitely think there's opportunities there there in K twelve, but. What, you know, what's it like for you? You you obviously have a different role you're purchasing, and you're more um, kind of in the the corporate uh, side of things with that. So, you know, what's summers like for you? Do you get summers off? For me, as the purchaser, uh, summer is one of my busiest times ever because um, so the way it works in Pennsylvania, there's um, um, federal dollars that we have to commit to various. Um, Manufacturers, you know, for whatever we're happen to do, be doing it, um, and we make those decisions in March and April. So we have our menu cycle pretty much drafted out by, by the beginning of February, uh, which is unheard of elsewhere in the industry. That you would, you know, in February be deciding what you're going to serve um, August through June of the, the next year. Um, so I do spend a lot of time in the summer making sure that the vendors, the distributors are going to have what I need when school starts day one. Uh, but, uh, but I mean, if you're, if you're pretty organized and, and keep on it, it's not, it's not, you know, a headache. It's not super stressful. It's just, there's a lot that needs to get done. So let's put things in perspective a little bit for those who maybe know nothing about, uh, school food service, what kind of costs or what kind of, food cost in particular are you running for uh for a lunch for just an average an average school lunch what what do your costs look like um for a lunch my target uh, average food cost for a, one of our lunches is a dollar 25 to a dollar 30 now we have a few that are higher than that we have a few that are lower than that but the goal is for that to um average out at 125 now if you're in most of the majority of the rest of the food service industry a dollar 25 cost on a meal is just 
unheard of. Like you wouldn't try and even meet that target. Uh, but that's something that we have to do in order to get, make sure that we're making enough, um, we're covering not only the cost of that food, but the cost of the people that are serving that food. So, so let's talk a little bit about what the future holds. What is food going to look like in in one year, two year, five years? What is school food going to look like? What do we have to look forward to when we send our kids off to school? What are some of the trends or some of the things that we're we're going to be seeing uh, that maybe maybe we're not seeing right now? You're going to, and we're starting to see this a little bit. You're going to start to see um, districts making more. Not just, well, they're going to make more data-driven decisions, but they're going to pair that more with with the input of the students. So I have a lot of numbers that I can look at, and I can tell you, you know, how many cases of this, that, and the other that we've gone through each year. I can tell you, you know, I can tell you what our highest local produce item is and, and all these things. Um, so I can look at other items and say, oh, well, that's similar to this. We move about this much in, uh, on this item, so we're going to probably move about this much on that item. Um, I can look at how many average meals we do for breakfast or lunch in a building. I have all this data. Uh, but at the end of the day, if the students aren't going to eat it, then it doesn't matter how much data we have. So one thing that I say all the time is, okay, that looks great. You need to test it in some schools first before we commit to it being pulled into the distributor and having a huge inventory that we have to work out, uh, I want to know that there are kids out there who are going to eat this. So we go through that whole process. So we spend, we, starting in September, we start uh, systematically testing things with the students and, and seeing what they like. Um, and then we still have things that we, we, we serve and then they, you know, they, we test it, they love it, and then the next school year we serve it nobody wants it. Um, so that's one of the pieces is the data paired with the interaction with the students is going to become much more prevalent. Um, it's interesting because the regulations are going to change. Uh, they're going to get tighter and looser depending on who's in the White House and who's in Congress at the time. Um, and so you could see some school districts that are going to kind of ebb and flow with that. I mean, you're going to see school districts like ours where we've just determined, you know, we've spent, already spent like 10 years Getting to getting things to the point that they are now, um, we understand that there's going to be an ebb and flow in regulation, so we're just going to stay the course uh, because at the end of the day, being able to provide healthier food for our students um, and giving them a better the resources and a better chance to uh, get a more quality education because they're not thinking about what they're going to eat next uh, if they can have a full belly when they're sitting in in, in math class. That's something that we're really um, focused on. And I've met, you know, dozens of folks from across the country who do this work, and they're they're all in the same boat. They want to be able to take care of their students and, and teach them new things. Um, I'm hoping that more and more districts are going to be um, folding food service into the curriculum and using more of this opportunity to to use food and nutrition as teaching tools. So like you know, uh, in a the kitchen, there's a ton of math. Uh, and so it, it's a great way to teach fractions and some of this other stuff. 
uh, other maps. There's history, so there's food, been food throughout history, and being able to, to add that all in to a student's day so when they are in the, the cafeteria eating their meals, that they have a little more background on what it is that they're eating um, and where it comes from and things of that sort. Um, I think those are going to be the big things. Uh, I think you're going to start to see more chefs actually getting into to K-12 and into the kitchens um, because they bring an interesting skill set um, generally to to the job that um, I think has been lacking um, in the past. Uh, and partly, you know, you've got a lot of push to do more scratch cooking or to um, things of that nature that uh, are going to require somebody who's had some of that previous that culinary technique training that they can come in and then train others that are in that in those buildings, right? Because you can't have a K-12, there's not enough profit margin for you to have a whole team of, of chefs uh, in a kitchen. Uh, you're going to have one or two chefs that are going to oversee several different, you know, several, two, three, four different kitchens, and they're going to be more of a, a hands-on trainer I and mean, kind of crafting the way uh, those those other staff members are preparing that food and give them an understanding as well. There's a lot of, going to be a lot of opportunities for people, uh, not only the students, but for staff to learn more about food and where it comes from and how to handle it. Um, and that, that's super exciting for me. Well, there you go. That was a mouthful. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. Hey, uh, I want to ask you something, though, because I think this is going to be important. The The chefs that you're talking about moving into K-12, let's, let's talk about that because, again, I think there might be people out there who are like, okay, yeah, I think this sounds good. K-12 could provide some things that maybe I'm looking for. What do they do to prepare themselves for for those jobs when they come open? You know, is experience going to trump education? Are they still going to need some sort of education or certification to to qualify for these jobs? What are the what are the hiring managers? What are the executives who are going to be hiring for these type of positions? What are they looking for, and what can we do as chefs to kind of prepare ourselves to uh, be ready for those jobs when they when they do come around? Yeah. You know, Kind of a, if you have a bachelor's degree of some sort, business, um, you know, I've got mine in culinary arts. Uh, experience goes a long way. If you're depending on what you're wanting to do, so if you're wanting to be a director, uh, you're definitely going to want at least a bachelor's degree. Uh, and it can be anything that's food-related or business-related. Um, but I would also say make sure that you are getting some sort of nutrition education in there because there are so many regulations uh, that look at you know the calories and the sodium count and uh, and then also there right now there are just a lot of students that are coming into these schools that have um, various allergies and so you have to be able to understand um, what those various allergies are and how uh, and what ingredients might be hiding on that label that might actually be um, a danger to a student. Uh, but as far as, you know, the education experience, definitely have, you know, five, six, seven years of, of kitchen experience and understand food and how that system works and how food is purchased and, and all that good stuff. Uh, if you're hoping to, you know, get to, like, the director's degree, definitely have at least a bachelor's degree um, and something 
food business type uh, related, um, and then you should be good to go. That's awesome. Well, I think it's some great advice. So as a, uh, as a parting piece of guidance, what would you tell those who are maybe wanting to increase their career or just getting started in the business? What are, what are some pieces of advice that you would give to people who either want to improve or get started? Have fun. Try and, you know, it's really easy to get burned out and get really tired and get laundry. Um, but one thing I've always tried to do in, in my path is to have a good time, make people smile, try to make people laugh because we've all got to be there 8, 10, 12, 14 hours a day. Uh, if it's miserable, you're not going to want to come back the next day. So I always, that's, I think, number one is you've got to be enjoying it because otherwise this industry can, can really eat you up. Um, um, for the most part, I'm really I'm fine with the way my, my path has gone, uh, but there is one job that I, I know that I left too soon. Um, and so I, got, I just got antsy. And I was like, I'm not, you know, I want to show people what I can do. And I don't feel like I'm doing it here. And then so I took off and then later realized, you know, if I just stayed another year, I would have gotten some opportunities that I, that I was really looking forward to and uh, kind of missed out on. So kind of really pay attention to when you, you need to move and whether or not you need to move. Um, and I, those are the two biggest things that I, I, I've, I've been able to learn coming through the industry. Truly words to live by. Man, great lessons there from a good man, a man who knows his stuff and he's been around and is kind of fallen into the role he was meant to occupy. So, Special thanks to Malik for being here and educating us on the K-12 through food and what we can expect for the future. If you are interested in learning more about him and what he does or connecting with him, you can uh, go into the show notes and we've got links to, uh, to more information about Malik and about, you can go check out his LinkedIn profile and uh, get together with him, hook up and, and see about what kind of uh, synergies you might have or uh, ways you might be able to, to help each other out. So thanks again for the opportunity to do this. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next week. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, or anyone who's interested in making food and money. And when you get a second, give us a review. It really helps us get the word out as well as letting us know how we're doing. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food, Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org.